rocks running around so fast that I didn't duck low enough and I just whacked my head against it so hard that I went black for a minute and saw stars. Hey, you're 86. I'm Justin Myers, and this is a show about how bartenders handle bad situations. Ouch. Today we're talking about injuries. I have two guests, Julie Coons bartender from the Bay Area. She's worked at some amazing bars, including Cafe du Nord, Hard Water, and Nico Restaurant. She's also sustained quite a few injuries on the job. We're joined by my good friend Andrew Campbell. Andrew's a registered nurse, personal trainer, and health coach. He's going to tell us how to patch ourselves up. Let's get into it. (laughs) I think probably the most common injury for bartenders is cutting yourself. Okay, yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, and my my favorite uh, cut is when you zest part of your finger off with a <laughs> citrus peeler. <laughs> you got any good stories about that? I've had that happen three times. <laughs> because you're supposed to hold it a certain way, and I just never learned until the third time I sliced my pinky ah, off. And then you learned. And then I learned. So what what happened? You want to tell us what was going on? What happened? How, how'd you do it? Um, one time I was catering, and it was really important. And in fact, it was pointed out to me how important it was that we needed everybody like up and running because it was super busy. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, sure. So I got on peels to pre-peel a lot of peels. Mm-hmm. First peel I did. Oh. <laughs> just right, <laughs> quarter of my pinky right, right off there. And of course, there are no band-aids, so we all just ran around and found like paper and tape. Uh-huh. Yeah. So did you go home? Or did no, you, I stayed there. You just, just stayed? Yeah, just got the pinky out of the way best as I could just juice reminds you that it's there all the time yeah 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 burning burning acid burning sensations all day yeah Yeah, keep it going serving tons of people they need their champagne you know how long did it take to stop bleeding you just kept putting pressure on it or forever (laughs) (laughs) finger cuts are so dramatic they just make it look worse than it is and they bleed for a really long time probably a couple hours yeah yeah andrew what should you do if you remove a chunk of skin well the first thing is to just wash it with soap and water there's no need for doing anything like alcohol or neosporin all that stuff is a lot of times counter to the healing process because you just basically especially with alcohol and a a cut like that where it's pretty superficial if you throw alcohol it's going to burn even worse than the lemon juice right oh no so you just want to wash it with soap and water. You just physic. You just that way. You're just physically removing any kind of bacteria or whatever, and then just cover it. If it's bleeding a lot, you want to apply a fair bit of pressure, and that'll help it stop bleeding faster. Like if you could just hold pressure down on it for some minutes, depending on the, depending on the depth of the wound. Um, yeah, and then just cover it. That's all. There's no there's no real magic trick to it, unless you have like. A spurting artery, but I don't think we're talking about that today. No, no, it's more like <laughs> taking a little chunk of your pinky off. Yeah. It's usually the pinky. It's usually the pinky. I had it happen another time with foil that was pretty bad, and the pressure thing helped a lot, but I was in the middle of opening a bottle of champagne in front of these people, um, and this is my first bar job, so I'm nervous about fucking up. Right. So I just hold my pinky, squeeze behind my back while my hand is slowly getting mm. pulled with blood, and I still get managed to get their champagne open and pour it for them. And nobody knew. Nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. <laughs> wow. Just walked away. Set this down. All right. <laughs> Stab wounds. I think it can happen. I had a coworker that fell on a poor spout. Oh. <laughs> this is gonna be a fun episode. <laughs> 
Things are gonna get gory. You mean on like the spirits bottle, the little yeah, the little metal spout on the that we and it like punctured. Yeah, like punctured his his arm or something. So they're what's that like an inch or so, inch and a half? I don't know how far it went in. I wasn't Uh there when it happened, but um, I don't want to know how far it went. (laughs) (laughs) I like to picture like he lifted his arm up and like the bottle came with it and was just hanging there. Um, You stabbed yourself, Julie? No, no. (laughs) I have plenty of like scrapes from those because they're all painful. I got one. I got one. um, I got three nicks from three different ones, all the way down from one ice scoop. That one was bad. It was a busy day. Hmm. You ever stabbed with a knife or anything? By... You know, I have to say I'm pretty lucky there. That's good. <laughs> of all the cuts and scrapes <laughs> and breaks that I've had, nothing, no stabbing. <laughs> That's good. You haven't been stabbed by someone else. I guess that could happen at a bar, too, if someone gets really angry. That's true. Yeah. Knife fight. Sure. Have you ever treated anyone from a knife fight, Andrew? Uh, no. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Actually. Mm-hmm. What, how do how do you treat a stab wound differently than a chunk of skin missing wound? <laughs> well, if you're in, like, okay, so you're out in you're at a bar and somebody stabs you or something stabs you, uh, you don't want to pull that thing out because a lot of times pulling it out can cause more damage, uh, and it could be also that say somebody stabs you in the artery, the thing that they stabbed you with may actually be preventing you from bleeding. So if you pull the thing out, then that's when the spurting artery happens and then you start getting into a tourniquet type of situation. Yeah. So generally, if you have an object stuck inside of you, you actually just put gauze and things around that object to keep it stable and go to the hospital. Let the surgeon handle it. Let, yeah, you don't want to pull out a knife if, if you don't need to. I mean because of the risk of damaging yourself and pulling it out. Ouch. I think maybe burns or scalding, that's probably number two most common injury. I've actually, when I worked in cafes, because I worked in coffee shop for like my first six years of yeah. working, that's when I got the most burns. Yeah. Not so much with the bar. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, the less hot things. Less. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really common in kitchens. That's, yeah, yeah. Um, do, you have a, do you have a good... Burn or scald? I guess I guess liquid. It's scalding. I mean, story. One from away, way back when someone, yeah. uh, we had a Joe to go, which is like three liters of coffee, uh, perfectly fresh brew, uh, brewed, and um. I guess I guess you just have that kind of day sometimes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I just need some three liters of coffee. Uh, but I was an eighteen-year-old that didn't invest in good shoes, so they were made of like this pitiful cloth. Um, and of course, as soon as this very hot thing was brewed, it, the cap flipped and just spilled all over my foot. But I was too dumb to know how bad it was. So I just texted my mom a picture because she's worked with burn survivors all her life. And she goes, oh, my God, I'm going to take you to the hospital right now. You have a second degree burn, Julie. <laughs> but otherwise, I wouldn't have known. I would have just stayed. What did they do for your second degree burn? At my job? No, when you went to the hospital. Oh, um, they, they had me take my shoe off. They uh, gave me this cream that starts with an S. Silver. Silvadine. Silvadine. They yeah. gave me Silvadine um, to rub on it. They let me know that after a little while, I'd get this film on top of it, which I did, and they told me I'd have to peel it off, which I did, and it was terrifying. And it looks like um, the little bits of ginger on the side that you're given when you eat sushi, mm. oh. but instead it was just a flap of my skin. 
<laughs> Delicious. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was basically the blister had popped and you're just peeling the skin off. Yes, yeah. the blister popped because I put my shoe back on after I had my burn. Well, that would have happened most likely anyway. That's good to know. Yeah. How do you know the... What is the difference between uh, the different degrees of burns? And yeah. how how do you know when you should go to the hospital? Or uh, So... You have first, second, and third degree burn. So a first degree burn is like a sunburn where there's just redness. So if you scald yourself and there's just a red spot, that's first degree. Second degree burn is when a blister forms. And then a third degree is also like a full thickness where, you know, it's actually like... Like flesh is damaged. Flesh is damaged underneath the skin. And you might have some black charred skin as well. Look like grilled meat a bit. Mm. Um this is a tasty part of the interview. Yeah. But generally, if you're at the bar, you do the same thing for all three of those, which is just put it under cold water. Like, that's the first thing you do, and just hold it under there. Like, don't just... Flowing water. You want flowing water for many, many minutes. But not ice water. I've heard, like, No, you don't want ice water, because the problem with ice water is actually reduces the circulation to, this, to the area a little bit too much. It works a little bit too well. Um, so you, you, you just want cold tap water running over the, running over it for a while. It's probably not, you don't really need to cover it. Um, I mean, until you get into the area, you know, if you're going to be transported to the hospital, you could just lay some gauze over it to prevent infection. Um, but you, you got to be careful with that because, you know, that's something you probably, if you have a third degree burn, especially, that's going to be some you're going to have to peel off of your pussy scab. Oh. So, you know, <laughs> covering, you know, yeah, covering it is a little bit overrated. You just, if you have a third degree burn, you definitely need to go to the hospital. Second degree burn, it's, it's a tough call. Uh-huh. Uh, the main risk is getting an infection from the broken skin. Um, and that's the kind of thing, you know, you can, you can monitor... And then decide later, should I go to my doctor or not? You mentioned shoes, not having good shoes. Um, right. Slips and falls. So that's a, I think that's another yeah. very common injury. You got any, got any stories there? I mean, I know I've hit myself in the face plenty of times, but I don't know that any of them were from falling. Mm. <laughs> How did you hit yourself in the face? Um... I've had two or three concussions. I can't remember. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's get into head injuries. <laughs> I guess the result of slipping and falling could be a head injury. But tell us about tell us about how you were concussed. <laughs> well, my first concussion was when I was working at Cafe du Nord. And um, there's a... Bars have that little flip open so you can get inside and then it flips closed. So it's like an enclosed off bar. So the bar was closed down because we're very busy as it frequently was. Um, and I'm running around because I'm the only bar back for three bartenders in a full house. So we probably have a little over a hundred people. Um, and I was running around so fast that I didn't duck low enough and I just whacked my head against it so hard that I went black for a minute and saw stars, but I still managed to make it to the other side and then stood up, didn't think much of it because I didn't know any better. And we all just kept drinking it away because that's typically what you do. How do you know when you have a concussion? You black out and see stars or? Uh, it's, uh, it's not easy to subjectively tell if you have a concussion. I mean, the only way you can diagnose it is with a head scan. And then, so you had your, that like that concussion. I didn't know until the next day. 
Because you went to the doctor, right? Yeah, it might have been a day or two. I honestly, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did they do a CAT scan of your head? No, they gave me a bunch of little tests. They do all of those little stereotypical ones that you see, oh, actually, okay. where you just like touch your nose, and then they give you a sequence of things to remember, and they like test your the, the amount of pressure that you can lay with your hands in different directions, and same with your feet. They had me walk in specific ways to mm -hmm. test all of that. Oh, okay. Just motor function and memory, I guess. So, I mean, a, a concussion is basically a bruise on your brain. And it happens because your brain actually hits your own skull. So that's how you actually get a head injury is from your brain actually hits your own skull after you hit an object. Because uh, your brain is just like a gelatinous pile of mush for the most part. It's like there's no structure to it. It's very, it's very uh, flexible. Um, we're on the dessert course now. Yeah, we're on the dessert course. <laughs> I suggest eating it with a spoon. Um, and a lot of times you'll get a concussion and they'll be like, yeah, you got a concussion. Good luck with that. You know, there's, there's, there's not a lot they can do for a concussion other than maybe give you some pain medications. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the long, you know, there's long-term effects from getting concussions, especially when you get multiple concussions, I'm sorry to say. Um, but that's the kind of thing you're not going to know about till down the road. Um, the real risk with a head injury is that you have some sort of a bleed in your brain, which, you know, can actually cause much worse neurological effects. Um, it can almost cause stroke-like symptoms. Um, and, you know, the sort of the... Any medical professional will say, if you have any kind of major head injury, you need to go to the doctor right away to get a head scan. And 99.9% .9 of the time, there's the, it's not going to show anything or it's going to show a minor concussion and, and they're not going to really do anything about it. But every now and then, and, and the, the story of Liam Neeson's wife always comes to a lot of people's mind because she injured herself and a ski injury, you know, she had a ski accident, she fell over, hit her head. And then sometime in the middle of the night while she was at bed, she, she died. She died in bed because her, her brain was bleeding. And I think she even went to the doctor and had a scan. And, you know, the bleed was so small by the time you, she went to the doctor mm. um, that it didn't really register on the CT scan. But, you know, over some hours, the blood accumulated, put pressure on her brain, and then she ended up dying. So, you know, for myself, if it's just me, I mean, I probably wouldn't go to a doctor because I know from experience that it's most likely nothing. But if it's a very serious head injury, you know, it's probably better safe than sorry. But I hate that phrase, so. <laughs> See, I feel like we all bonk our head all the time. Mm -hmm. But how, how, did you, how do you know when you should, how do you know when it's bad, I guess? The best way to tell is if you, usually you'll have a headache and that headache will progressively get worse and worse over time. And that's and that would be an indication that you have a bleed that's progressively getting worse, and because that the blood is basically pooling up on the outside of your brain and pushing on your brain between your skull and your brain, and it, that that pressure is building up, and so you start to feel the symptoms of worse and worse headache. Uh, but any kind of neurological symptoms, like if you're having brain fog or your coordination's off or you like. If you notice some sort of an asymmetry with your hands, like one hand is fine, but this one is like, I can't grab anything. Um, 
Oh, pupils. If your pupils are, you know, like one pupil's really big, one pupil's really small, or your pupils are, you know, like pinprick, you know, uh, pinpoint size pupils, uh, those are good indications. Slurred speech. I see. So, uh, Julie, what happened the second time you got a concussion? <laughs> did you have any of those symptoms? Um, I did. The first time I didn't notice because we were drinking, but the second time, um, <clears throat> was learning how to bartend, uh, and I smacked myself in the face with my tin so hard that I concussed myself. <laughs> and um, That must have looked really funny. It was, it. you know, I don't think anybody saw the moment that it happened. I uh -huh. think maybe just my face gave away that something had happened. Um, but I tried to finish what I was doing and then kind of went in the back and was like, wow, that hurts. That'll probably turn into a bump. I'll just try to pretend it's not there. And then a few minutes later, I went out and I kind of noticed something was wrong when I was pouring wine. And then all of a sudden, I was just pouring it on the table instead of the glass. It's like, oh, no. That would be one of those <laughs> neurological symptoms you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so did you go to the hospital? I did go to the hospital. I went to the hospital both times. And if there was a third time, then I went that time, too. <laughs> I don't know enough about concussions to know that it's probably fine. Seems like none of us know that much about concussions. It's yeah, just and that's best, why kinda. generally people say better safe than sorry. Yeah. I, that makes sense. I, just to clarify, though, if you lose consciousness, you should go to the hospital. <laughs> if you hit your head so hard that you lose your con lose consciousness, just go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, does, how does alcohol in your system affect a head injury or even uh, bleeding or any of these other injuries we've talked about so far? Yeah, alcohol can actually um, prevent your blood from clotting. Oh, hey. So, good move. If you're drunk and you have any any if you have a, you know, a cut or something or, you know, you hit your head and your brain starts bleeding, the bleeding is likely to be worse because you have alcohol in your system. So something to be aware of. It's something <laughs> to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, you should be aware that any kind of bleeding is going to be worse if you're under the if you have a lot of alcohol in your system. Right. Not saying we should stop drinking. Just <laughs> try not to cut yourself if you're drunk, which is more difficult if you're drunk. Yeah. Um, back to burns, uh, a chemical burn. I actually spilled some high temperature dishwasher detergent Ooh. on myself once. Fortunately, it wasn't a lot. Uh, and then noticed very quickly that it was eating through my skin. Oh. Uh, so I rinsed it underwater. As, as I, I guess as you would with a, a burn from hot liquids or, f or fire. Mm -hmm. uh, is, that, is that the right thing to do? It seemed, seemed okay in the end. but <laughs> Yeah, you know, I believe there's some substances. The, the chemicals usually, if, if you have a, a, some sort of noxious chemical, there's usually instructions on the container yeah. as to what you're supposed to do. Because I, mm. I'm pretty sure there are certain chemicals where water... Is, makes uh, it worse. Yeah, water makes it worse. Um, but generally, yes, removing the offending substance is the primary primary objective. So you want to you want to stop the thing that's burning you. So yes, getting it off of your skin is usually the good, good, bet. good first reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually had a chemical burn before, just in my life ever. I don't recommend it. It wasn't an enjoyable experience. <laughs> have you ever burned yourself with essential oils? I I have not, but uh, 
I didn't know you could do that either. Tell, tell us about that. Because <laughs> bartenders use a lot of weird, especially in cocktail bars, we use a lot of interesting ingredients. I mean, there's a there's a lot of talk right now about people accidentally making poison by infusing things <laughs> with that they shouldn't be, like tobacco. You can or, do that with tapache if you fuck it up. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so how do you burn yourself with essential oils? Well, you get some burning type of essential oils like clove oil or oregano oil. Uh, what's another good one for burning yourself? Maybe like some people, I mean, it depends on how sensitive you are. I know some people get like a burning sensation from tea tree oil. Um, but my, my personal burn story, so I like to sweat and every now and then you get some jock itch, right? From sitting around in your sweaty shorts and so... Some of those essential oils are actually good for combating, you know, jock itch. And so I managed to get a little bit on my sensitive parts. And I was like rolling around on the ground and water doesn't work with essential oils. Oh, no. Like it kind of, it kind of feels okay, but it's so embedded into your skin that it's not doing anything. No. But I learned later the way to stop that burn is to take some other kind of oil like coconut oil or olive oil or any kind of cooking oil and rub it on the area and that'll dilute it and actually ah. that works really fast actually when you use that That's dilution good yeah it's very interesting hmm. and so, don't don't put it on your crotch <laughs> and usually like you I, heard it first like I, I burn myself with with clove oil you know generally you should just use clove oil and coconut oil you know, you shouldn't just put the pure essential oil on your skin. Don't they use, like, cornstarch in Chef? Cornstarch? Yeah, for, so for, for uncomfortable jock itch or... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, yeah that, just to dry it out. Yeah, yeah that, okay. that helps. Julie, have you ever broken any limbs? <laughs> um, the, foot, the foot fracture is the closest I've gotten. Uh, the only ever time I almost broke a limb is when I fell off a bike, but then I was like 15, so they called it a green stick break, because it didn't really break. I was young enough that my bone bent, but it was mostly fine. Mm. I forgot exactly what the details are, but it was very minor. This is the only one. This has been like two and a half months so far. Still probably a monthish out. For a fracture? Is that, that seems... And that's not really... You Like, you did chip a piece of your bone off you didn't like I break it clear through or anything no you break it through clear through it's an avicular fracture mm -hmm. specifically so andrew how do you know if you've broken something <laughs> say i slip on uh, something at work and fall down and how do you know it's broken aggressive pain aggressive pain you yeah. said <laughs> <laughs> uh you know it depends on the break a lot of times you'll hear it break i broke my collarbone which is an easy one to hear because it's right in, next to your ear. Um, so if you hear a snap, if you see a deformity, uh, but then there's a lot of breaks that you really can't tell. And usually those are the kind of breaks that they don't really do anything for anyway, other than you know what you may have done anyway, like icing and elevation. You know they have like it's called a hairline fracture where you you know you have a crack in your bone, but it's not. Um, it's not a displaced fracture hmm. where you you know you actually can see the deformity. That's uh, what I had. You had a hairline fracture. No, a displaced one. You could see it. They showed me my X-ray. There's just like little, just a little empty empty space. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
There's compound fracture where the bone's just sticking out of your skin. That one's pretty easy to tell. Uh, yeah, those are the main ones. Um, so what's the main symptom? If I if I fall down, I hear something, or it's going to be very painful, and yeah, I mean the main start symptom is up. pain, but that's not necessarily a break. I mean that yeah. could be a lot of things. Uh, swelling. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, the the problem is is like a lot of the symptoms are the same if you break or you sprain something. You know, mm. it's gonna it's gonna be painful. It's gonna get swollen. Um, the only way to really tell without an X-ray is if you can see a deformity. There's not really a good way to tell. Um, you may you may lose some dexterity. Like if you break your forearm, you know, you you may notice like you can't you can't move your pinky or you can you can't grip something. Um, but again, that could also be the same if you sprained your wrist. So, but you probably shouldn't finish the shift because that's <laughs> going to make it worse. Yeah, well, especially if you if you suspect that you broke something, because having a broken piece of bone moving around inside your body next to your arteries and veins is not that safe. I see. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't go ahead with that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like having a knife. You know, moving around inside your body. Oh. It's not not good. What about eye injuries? Those are Ooh. that's a fun one. If you splash, because uh, I mean, the eyes are very sensitive. Yeah, I mean, the you could get enough lemon juice in your eye could do some damage, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I've never had that. In, never seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> lemon juice injury. That'll be a new one. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, Let's see if I can clock it in by the end of the year. But yeah, I used to be, like say I spilled a uh, that dishwasher detergent or splash that in my eye yeah i mean just like if you had burned it if you had burned your skin you know you want to put your eye underneath the water to try to get that stuff out as much as can um the good thing about an eye injury is that the eye does actually heal pretty rapidly uh i've seen some pretty nasty eye injuries where you're like oh my god that person's gonna lose their eyeball and it actually heals up fine um but it depends on the eye injury. So, if you, yeah, I mean, if you have a chemical burn happening to your eye, wash it out. If you have something impaled in your eye, um, you want to treat it just like the puncture wound where you don't want to pull it out. You just want to reinforce that object so it doesn't move around while you transport that person to you know, the closest emergency room. Um, and then also you want to cover the eyes and usually you want to cover both eyes. So if somebody, say, you know, nicks your eye and you have, you know, just like one bleeding spot in your eye, you would want to cover up both of your eyes because the more you're moving, if, you, if your one eye is wobbling around, your other eye is going to be wobbling around too. Mm -hmm. So you want to minimize the pain. And, you know, if you, if you have an open wound in your eye, moving your eye around is going to continue to maybe exacerbate the, the, the open wound. So you just want to minimize the amount of movement that your eyes are making. So the more they have to look at things and focus on things and wiggle around, the worse that situation is going to get. So just cover the eyes up and get to the hospital. Julie, do you have any other uh, crazy injury stories that I you can think of? one eye wound story. Oh. <laughs> well, please. It's not that crazy, but... Um, it was it was another busy shift, 
so everything was moving around very quickly, and uh, my coworker and I like to split soda. So we just split a bottle of soda, but we put it in a rocks glass, which is fairly large and round. So um, it's also fair to note that the bar tops are made of marble. So behind me is where we can put all of our <coughs> all of our glassware and beverages and stuff. So I go to take a drink of it because I have a small second. And before I set it down, the thing the thing just slips immediately out of my hand and then slams on the marble and shatters. And my eyes are flooded with root beer and what I imagine are small bits of glass. So I ran to the back and try to wash my face as best as I could. And after a couple of minutes, somebody runs back to check on me. And I open my eyes and ask them if it looks all right through like root beer tears. And they're like, oh my God, no, you look horrible. You don't look all right. So I just stood in the back and washed my face for a long, a long time. <laughs> Did you get any? There was, was there something in, in there? Or no, I don't you think there was anything in there at the end. I mostly think it was just root beer in my eyeballs. It's not super exciting. Mm. I think Root Beer Tears is going to be the name of my next album. It was nice. It's <laughs> like a good cocktail name, too. Right? Root Beer Tears. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not really an acute injury, but something that we all seem to suffer from is fatigue. Mm. It's a very... Uh, very physical job. Mm. I know we talked. We mentioned shoes a little bit. I think that's probably the, one of the best things and easiest things you can do is just get good shoes that are supportive, that work right for your feet. But Andrew, can you recommend? Because you're also a strength training coach and a personal trainer and yoga teacher. Can you recommend anything to do to help not be fatigued as much and stay, you know, make it through your shift feeling a little better? on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first thing to think about is hydration. It's like, if you start to feel tired, usually the first thing people do is they grab coffee, and coffee's a diuretic, which will make you even more dehydrated than you already were. So, when you're tired, first thing you should do is drink a glass of water. And hydration is kind of a long-term process as well. Um, so just generally drinking more water than you probably think you need to. Uh, the, you know, the, the, way, the easy way to gauge it is just by the color of your urine. You don't actually want to pee totally clear. You just want slightly straw-colored urine. That's, that's what you're shooting for. Like a, like a nice glass of Chablis. Yeah, or, or Pilsner. <laughs> you know. Those are nice. I'm not going to look um, at Chablis the same. <laughs> Uh, obviously sleeping, sleeping is, you know, can't say enough about it. It's probably one of the biggest epidemics of our society is that people don't generally sleep enough. And then the quality of people's sleep is usually very poor. A lot of the reason for that is too much time in front of a screen right before you go to bed. So as much as you can, the recommendation that works for me and what I've heard a lot of people recommend is... Three hours before you go to bed, don't look at a screen. Because the screen is kind of like, to your body, staring at um, a screen is like the sun being out. And your body functions on the patterns of the sun and the moon. And so if it's bright out, your body thinks it's daytime. And that kind of screws up your whole hormonal cycle because as you're going to sleep, your body starts to secrete melatonin. If you start staring at a screen, the secretion will be slowed down or stopped. So eliminating screens to get good quality sleep is very important. Um, hydration is very important. Eating, 
eating well is going to affect your level of fatigue. Um, and another tip in, uh, that I learned from nursing, actually, because in nursing you're on your feet all day too, is wearing compression socks, which are they actually uh, comp you can get compression socks that are that are like socks that you wear that are knee high, or you can get these sleeves that just go between your ankle and your knee, and that made a huge difference for me. Just in you know, like by the end of the day, my legs weren't all achy and. Uh, it, they just felt a lot better by the time I went home. Well, that was a lot of fun, guys. It's always uh, exciting to talk about injuries. It's my favorite topic. <laughs> See, it seems you have a lot of experience, uh, so Thank I was you. really happy to, to get you both on the show. Um, <laughs> thanks again, guys. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Thank Cheers. You. Thank you. That was Julie Coons and Andrew Campbell. You can normally find Julie behind the bar. But, of course, she's recovering from that foot injury right now. You can find out more about Andrew's health coaching services at andkb.com. That's A-N-D-K-B.com. A few things to remember when you get hurt. If you cut yourself, maintain pressure to stop the bleeding, and then cover the wound. If you have an object stuck in you, don't pull it out. Just stabilize it and go to the hospital. If you burn yourself in any way, flush the burn with cool water and cover it. The only exception is certain kinds of chemical burns. If you sustain a head injury, it's a good idea just to get checked out. There's often not a lot you can do, but if you have a headache that gets worse, absolutely go to the hospital immediately. Make sure to drink lots of water while you're at work, wear supportive shoes, and get good sleep. Basic stuff. I posted a lot more about medical situations in this interview at your86.com. And while you're there, make sure to share us with your friends and colleagues. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>